I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, June 4, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. There is certainly no other way to describe today's market activity than an all-out assault on higher price, period, full stop. The obvious question is, and certainly will be, is the bottom in? Do we go to higher highs from here? Do we turn around and go back down? Where is the next resistance area? All those questions will certainly be discussed and a whole lot more in this video tonight. I've got a laundry list of stuff, so sit back, grab a drink, and put your chart hats on. So we can pretty much categorize today as a rip-your-face-off, short-covering rally. We've discussed this ad nauseum. You don't know exactly where they're going to come from, A, it's why you have to take profits along the way on the way down. And B, you know that these are going to happen. You just don't know from exactly where and when they're going to happen, but they will happen. How does it unfold? It starts with a spark. The market is up a little bit. All of a sudden, they're looking for a piece of news. Is it Mexico? Is it China? Is it a trade deal with the UK? Is it something else? It doesn't really matter what you assign the reason to be. It is what it is. So they look for a reason. They start discussing positive developments. It causes other traders or it causes traders in general to begin covering short positions. The panic buying ensues. A higher market becomes an accelerating higher market. You look across the board and everything is green. Everything is green by a magnitude. It's obvious what's happening. It's a relief rally from an oversold condition. Yesterday, we hit an important price. We didn't know exactly where price would stop declining. That's why we have a couple of different support areas that we were eyeballing. Now, Did we know that price was going to get up to the level in which it got today all the way up to and beyond the big fat round number of $2,800 in the S&P, $280 in the SPY? Well, not necessarily all in one bite. It didn't necessarily have to happen all today. That, as far as I'm concerned, was certainly a surprise. But let's think about a couple of things. Yesterday, we discussed the fact that when the market does find a bottom, and even if it's an interim or short-term bottom, we obviously found one yesterday. Today was one heck of a reversal day. But understand this for a second. It's a reversal day on the chart in terms of the candle. But let's look at the volume for a second. Yesterday had higher volume than today. So we certainly had higher volume on the way down and... In the process of finding stability yesterday, but we can't say that today had widespread institutional participation. We cannot say that because we didn't have exceeding volume from yesterday. If we had widespread institutional participation for the beginning of another leg higher in this market, headed to new highs, we would have seen much higher volume than we saw today. That's in my opinion. So what does that mean? 
That means this is likely still a counter-trend rally. It's a rally in a downtrend. Until proven otherwise, the downtrend still exists. So here's one of the things that I wanted to point out before I got off track for a second. But yesterday's low came in at, let's call it 273 for round number purposes. Today, we're already up more than $7 in the SPY from yesterday's low. What did we say yesterday? Before you know it, within a couple of days, you're going to be up 75 to 125 handles in the S&P 500. We hit the 75 mark from yesterday's low already today. Is there more to go on the upside? Likely, yes. The question is, how much more? Well, we don't know for sure. I'll provide two areas that should provide overhead resistance. Similar on the way down, we don't know exactly which area will work. 274.19, give or take something on either side. So we know that the market went down yesterday to a low of 273.09. So we missed it by about a dollar. But we weren't trying to pinpoint that that's just what the measurement indicated from purely a numbers perspective. Now, the other thing I want to mention is just a clip from inside the numbers. We're just going to take a look at something from this afternoon or the midday update. And what you'll see is in the middle here, we start to discuss large swings in both directions. So we see it coming. Expectations change with knowledge. We know that we're going to see the large swings. I like to remind my traders what's in my mind, what I'm thinking, so that they're thinking correctly. So then we note that other markets, the IWM, the transports, financials, the semiconductors in the SMH, and more are all strong. Unless that changes, it's more bullish signs. This is called a relief rally and likely has higher to go. They'll try and get this back into the 2800s to call the bottom and the correction over. Not to say they'll do that today or did that today. I don't know whether they did or didn't. I'm just making a statement more out of jest than anything else. We're not saying that will be the case, just saying. The point is, this is what normally happens. It's garden variety, market and media behavior. Let's get back in our lane and discuss where the resistance is likely to be. Well, there are really two areas, and they're actually pretty obvious areas. And there you have it. Spot number one is 283, give or take. Spot number two is 285.50. These are not calculated precise numbers. These are this. The 20-period moving average comes in at 283. Give or take, we should find... Some overhead resistance, not just for the 20-period moving average. If you've taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, you know some other reasons why. But the 20-period moving average will certainly be one of those reasons. Is it 283.50 or 282.90? It could be any one of those numbers or anywhere in between. I'm giving you a generalization. The numbers, when they're refined down, are provided for inside the numbers, folks. And then the second one on a real strong rally up is at about 285 and a half. There's a gap up there. There's also the 50 period moving average just above. I'm not saying we can't get to the 50 period moving average. I'm just putting the trend line and where the overhead resistance is generally going to be at the gap. We could certainly spike through that a little bit. But once again, there should be a good 
solid amount of overhead resistance up in that area as well. Do we have to get there? No, we don't have to get there. We can get there. Here's the evidence. It was a bullish day across the board. We finished pretty much at the highs. It's a reversal day. We wiped out several days of downside activity in the market. Generally speaking, 80% of the time, again, with the 80-20 rule, using just common sense stuff, 80% of the time, you're not going to get a reversal of the reversal. 20% of the time, you get something crazy. 80% of the time, you'll get continuation. Maybe it doesn't happen right out of the gate tomorrow morning, but 80% of the time, you're going to get some continuation. The market's going to generally be attracted to the 20-period moving average. There's no guarantee we're going to get there, but it's an attraction. You've heard me use this term before. It's a destination. The market has a destination. We don't know exactly where the destination is, but one of the destinations should be around 283. Some of you will say, well, why aren't we just going to get rejected at the gap that we just filled here? The answer is this. We may, but here's my take on the situation. We closed above the gap. The market had every opportunity from an intraday perspective to be rejected at that gap. Instead, they ran up and closed above that number where the gap was at the end of the day. That's not bearish behavior. That's bullish behavior. Just to show you what happened, here's a five-minute chart. 280.15 was that number. That's where the gap was. So at the end of the day, after we ran underneath that price level all day long, they ran up at the end of the day to close above the gap. To me, that's bullish behavior. What else do we have to look at? How about the hourly chart? From an hourly chart perspective, I would think that this price level is important. The market said it was important by virtue of being rejected at that price. So we came up to that price. Now we're above that price. We close the hour, close the day above that price. That's also bullish behavior. Again, 80% of the time, this is going to produce higher prices. Now, just a moment ago, I discussed the market being attracted to certain prices having a destination. Well, if we look at it from a different perspective, it may become a little bit clearer. And one of the ways to do that is by looking at a 240-minute chart. There's several ways to do it, but this one works. And you can see the gap very vividly. You can also see a 20-period moving average. So the market, we can make an argument, was attracted to A, fill the gap, and B, hit or spike through the 20-period moving average on this 240-minute chart. So when we're looking at a different chart and we can't necessarily figure out why the market went to or stopped at a certain price, we have to look around the horn. We have to look at other charts. When we look at other charts, the more charts we look at, the more likely we are to find the reason. If you were looking at other charts while the market was being drawn higher today, you might have focused on this exact area. Now, that doesn't mean the market's going to trade up there today, but that does mean that if the market has a destination in mind, and this is close by, and in the big scheme of things, it was close by as the day went on, the longer we hung around up there, the more likely we were to be drawn up to that area. Again, whether or not it was today, that's just a crapshoot. 
But the concept of being drawn to a destination is not a crapshoot. That happens all the time. What happened yesterday? Wasn't that a destination? Wasn't 274.19 a destination? Sure it was. It was on the board long before price was there. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Same tremendous update in the IWM, but the IWM was giving us some clues. We discussed them yesterday. The IWM had relative strength yesterday against the S&P 500. The IWM is my favorite market leading indicator, and we were looking for a short-term low this week. Wasn't really banking on it coming all in one shot, but we have what we have. Speaking of we have what we have, what do we have here? What we have is a couple of things, but what we have, number one, is a market where a rubber band, remember the rubber band analogy, the market was a rubber band that was stretched and stretched some more, and then it got stretched some more, and it had one of two options. Either the rubber band snaps and the market goes down farther, a lot farther, or we have a snapback and a reset, and then we do a play it again, Sam. 80-20 rule, 80% of the time, the rubber band does not snap, and in a corrective downtrending market, this is the way it works. It goes down in stages. Some are more violent than others, Some of the rallies will rip more faces off than others. Where is the overhead resistance in the IWM? It really is pretty obvious right into those moving averages. Exactly what price will price stop at? We don't necessarily know, but what we do know is the higher they get into those moving averages, the more likely they are to find a stronger level of overhead resistance. What's my favorite area? 154 and a half, 155, that's my favorite. It's my favorite for shorting the market. What it's not my favorite for is if we begin closing daily up there and instead of the market being rejected as a result of the overhead resistance at those moving averages, what we find is it wasn't overhead resistance and we begin closing daily above those moving averages. That would take the short trade off the table for me until I had a clearer picture, more puzzle pieces. We're a long way off from that. I guess that was more of a data dump. Maybe a just-in-caser. How long can this rally go on for? There's no way to know, but if you look in terms of the 80-20 rule, the garden variety type stuff, could be into next week, even into the latter part of next week. Much more than that, I don't know. We'll see how it unfolds over the next several days. Any more than that is probably a stretch at this point. The VIX. We talked about the VIX. It was another puzzle piece last night. We discussed the fact that the VIX really never had a spike commensurate with where the market was at its lows yesterday. That's a hint. It's a clue. We discussed it. And look where the VIX is now, right back into the convergence, pretty much the convergence of where the 20 and the 200 period moving average is. If the market's going to spike higher, the VIX is certainly going to come down lower. So now the next bogey on the VIX is going to be the next set of moving averages down around the 100 and the 50. We'll call it 14.5 to $15 is really the next bogey for the VIX. Closing daily below those moving averages would likely mean the market's going higher than we've already discussed today. Transportation department. 
Looks very similar to the IWM. It's always looked similar to the IWM. This was the original canary in the coal mine. Huge day today, up over 300 points, over 3%. Transports were running hard. Same routine in terms of the resistance on the upside. 10,300, give or take, should be the first real, real heavy area of overhead resistance. Of course, the disclaimer there is if we get some follow-through across all the markets, of course. Anything different out in Silicon Valley with the Qs? Nope. 171 was the gap. It was actually a little bit higher. Came down through that, spiked through it. Reversal. It's all the same market. All the markets look either similar to each other or, for the most part, the same today. 3% big short covering rally across all markets. 3% up in the queues. What's doing down at the financial district? Another clue yesterday. If you go back to yesterday's video, we talked about this. We talked about yesterday's candle. We talked about yesterday's price activity, a.k.a. price action. And by the way, for all you home gamers out there, price action is just a fancy term for price movement. It's just a bunch of hocus pocus to make somebody think it's more complicated than it is. Price action is just price movement. Nothing more, nothing less. Back in our lane, look at the tremendous move in the XLF. Again, commensurate with other markets, up about 3%, but right into these moving averages. Now... This changes the game a little bit. What happens if we get above, close above, and continue going higher? Doesn't that change the trend in the XLF on the daily chart? And the answer is, yes, it does. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. I don't want to make the cause and effect, but what I do want to say is, we certainly had something cooking. We were certainly sniffing something out in the financials yesterday. Couldn't have anticipated the type of move we saw today. No way, no how. But certainly sniffed out something in the financials and other markets yesterday. Namely the IWM. And also namely the SMH. We talked about the SMH at length yesterday. How about up almost 4% in the SMH? Part of that, short covering, Part of that is a lot of the semiconductor stocks have absolutely been thrown out with the bathwater. So from its highs, from peak to trough, the SMH was down over 20%. Common sense, using the 80-20 rule, 80% of the time when something is down 20 or 25% in a short period of time, and you do find a bottom. I'm not saying we knew where the bottom was going to be. We had an idea. We were stalking this thing. But when you do find a bottom, it's likely it's not going to be a one-day event. And we're likely going to have higher prices among other markets, but in the SMH specifically. There's different phases of these oversold rallies. These rallies that occur inside of a downtrend. There's the short covering phase. There's the the rally's over, the market's going to collapse again phase. There's the I'm missing it, I have to jump on board phase. There's the coast is clear, we're going to new highs phase. And when everybody believes that the correction is over, that's generally where it begins again. Let's talk about the bond market for a moment because we have to marry that currently to the financial market. We just discussed the XLF, now we discuss the bond market We have the chatter about the Federal Reserve cutting interest rates, the inverted yield curve discussion. 
We're not going to go into all that nonsense right here, right now. This is a monthly chart. All we need to know right now is while higher prices in bonds and lower yields may be in the near future, that may certainly happen. The easy money has been made. What do I mean by that? Well, if you go back to the videos from about a year ago, let's just say last summer, you'll remember and you'll see in the videos we were discussing where to buy the bond market. Down around 111 112.50, 112.50, 111.50, it didn't matter. I said that repeatedly over and over again. Within a dollar or so, it's not going to make any difference. When we get close to that trend line, it was a buy. Now, we're close to the top trend line. We can certainly go through the top trend line. That doesn't have to be the end-all, be-all resistance. However, the easy money has been made. You don't want to buy it up here hoping it goes higher. You want to look for signals that the bond market is going to top out and where, and then you can take a long-term trade riding it in the other direction, just like we did in the upward direction for any of those that participated in the long side to any degree from last summer forward. We have to switch gears for a second because I want to make sure we have a full and complete understanding the relationship between the bond market, interest rates, and the financial stocks. So we talked about the XLF and we see what's going on with the XLF. So a couple of things. The XLF didn't necessarily get into a severely oversold condition like some of the other markets did. The qualifier on oversold, and you know I hate that term, but I use it because it's a commonly accepted term to illustrate a point. But the oversold part is we never know where oversold is too oversold or how long a market can stay oversold or overbought for that matter. So we never know the answers to those questions. That's why we have to use the other tools that we have to narrow down where price is likely to stop heading in a particular direction, reverse, and go the other way. Back in the lane in terms of the bond market, the financials, and interest rates. Here's a chart of the 10-year Treasury note interest rate. So you can see what's going on. This is a weekly chart, but potentially we could be putting in some kind of a low down here. Will the low be all the way down at 2%? Maybe. It could be. But that's really, in the big scheme of things, not that far away from where we are now. If interest rates go down to 2%, the bond market, the TLT, will be rallying simultaneously. But what's the link with the financial stocks? Or we'll just use the XLF in this example. The financial stocks benefit when interest rates go higher. When you and I have to pay more in interest to the banks, they benefit. And there's an inefficiency in terms of time and a lot of other things. They borrow money at one price and they lend it out at another. They make money on the spread. That spread can widen just through markets moving up and down. The banks can get a benefit. So in theory, the financial stocks rise because that benefit goes right to their bottom line. This is all theoretical. This is not technical analysis, but it does play a role. But isn't there a contradiction in there? Wasn't the Fed out, or at least the rumors are out about the Fed cutting interest rates all of a sudden? Just a few months ago, they were raising interest rates. Now, all of a sudden, the pundits want to discuss the Fed cutting interest rates. Well, here's the contradiction. 
If the Fed is going to cut interest rates, and we're first discussing it now, why were interest rates falling since March? Right here. This is March 1st. This is the week of March 1st, which was also the top in the stock market. So therefore, the market was already telling the Fed that they're going to cut interest rates. They just found out yesterday. Let's look at it a different way. Here's the daily chart of the TLT. Yesterday, we made a high of 132.58. Today, we're down already $2 from the high to today's low in the TLT. In terms of movement in two days in the TLT, that's a lot of movement. Look at the movement over the last week in the TLT. We start discussing a rate cut all of a sudden, and instead of rates going lower upon discussing a rate cut today... They go higher and the bond market is lower. We live in opposite land. When you hear something discussed on television, put this on a sticky note by your computer. You're the last to know. And with that, my friends, I will wrap it here tonight. I am David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.